stench of oppression, smell of bigotry. So said Senator Schumer at the hearing of the Senate for the act called For the People. This is Ken Barron with the National Association of Black and White Men Together. Topic today is the big lie which continues and is fueled by Republican claims that the 2020 election was rigged. This is despite the fact that many judges and elected officials said otherwise. The Brennan Center reports that state lawmakers continue to introduce voting and election bills at a furious pace. As of March 24th, legislators have introduced 361 bills with restrictive provisions in 47 states. That's 108 more than the 253 restrictive bills tallied as of February 19th, 2021. That's a 43% increase in little more than a month. These measures have begun to be enacted. Five restrictive bills have already been signed into law. In addition, at least 55 restrictive bills in 24 states are moving through legislators. 29 has passed at least one chamber, while another 26 have had some sort of committee action, for example, a hearing, an amendment, or a committee vote. These challenges are, amongst other things, intimately connected to our nation's history of racial injustice, from persistent efforts to keep voters of color away from the ballot box, to gerrymandering that has repeatedly sought to dilute their political power, to the racial wealth gap that is persistent barrier to many candidates of color raising enough funds to compete. Poll after poll has shown overwhelming public support for this legislation. One recent survey found that 67% of Americans are in favor, including 56% of Republicans and 68% of Independents. Despite the bill's popularity, some commentators have suggested that it should be broken up because its individual pieces will be easier to pass than the whole. But the bill's comprehensive approach is actually its greatest strength. Its ambitious scope has attracted a vast and unprecedented coalition of civil rights activists, labor organizations, faith-based organizations, environmental groups, consumer advocates, voting rights experts, and many others. But what is to be done, especially since gerrymandering means members of Congress rarely face legitimately contested elections? Super PACs and interest groups wield tremendous influence on legislators. Can, for example, letters, phone calls, or meetings really change someone's mind? Yes, say current and former members of Congress, pointing to specific constituents who've influenced them over the years but they say some strategies of persuasion work better than others. Here's what they think. It's a good to take a large part in organized campaigns with groups of like-minded individuals, letter-writing drives, or mass-circulated online petitions, for example. Persuasive writing 
can work. And one of the most effective ways to advocate for what you believe in is to write, email, or call your representatives in Congress or local policymaker. Persuasive writing is an art, and there are some basic tips that can help you get to your point and get it across clearly and concisely. So, you need to identify you are, and that's depending on the scenario, introduce yourself. If writing to a legislator, make sure they know that you are a constituent by including your address. Then get to the point. Early in your message, you should highlight specifically what you're communicating about. Be as specific with this as possible. List the name of the bill or legislation if applicable. You also should identify why it matters. Help your audience make a connection as to why it matters to them. Personal stories or anecdotes can be a good way of doing this. You should have a call for action. Finish the message with a call to action, either asking a decision maker to do something or asking people to help your adversary campaign by doing something. My husband, Mac, and I will be at the NABWMT 2021 convention in July, where you can join the workshop we will hold on these topics. We look forward to seeing, uh, seeing you there.